and welcome into Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson, presented by We the Patriots USA. Thank you for watching mm -hmm. us on the We the Patriots USA Rumble channel and Red Voice Media, and for listening on New Hampshire Family Radio, WLMW 90.7 FM, Manchester, New Hampshire, and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like us on your station, email us at Taryn at WeThePatriotsUSA.org. I am blessed to be joined today from another member in the health freedom movement. We have Christina Hildebrand of A Voice for Choice Advocacy joining today specifically to talk about California's cancer prevention bill that they are trying to pass in the state where they would add the HPV vaccine to the childhood vaccination lineup and therefore by the eighth grade these kids have to get the Gardasil vaccine and that is for boys and girls. We're going to dive into um, how there's that misnomer out there. People don't realize that also boys are having to get this vaccine if it's put on to the um, childhood vaccination schedule and the really the inefficacy of this Gardasil shot, the fact that it really doesn't have the, the protection that so many people think that it does, and the misnomer about HPV and um, how it is not quite what we've all been sold it sold uh, for it to be. So um, it's a very important bill that Christina and her, uh, her organization, A Voice for Choice Advocate, advocacy, excuse me, is really trying to sound the alarm on and to educate people on what they are going to force on school age children to go to school. And on that, I have an exciting update here at We the Patriots USA, a very recent victory in a medical exemption case of a California single mother, Regina Lightborn, her 14-year-old son who has documented vaccine injuries was pulled from school because he was not up to date on his vaccinations. Well, we the Patriots USA stepped in and the California Board of Medicine has revoked uh, that decision to take him out of school. Regina now has enrolled her son in high school next year. He is now able to go back to school um, and get his medical exemption. It has been reinstated. So big thanks to We the Patriots for stepping in. And you can see how their cases, their lineup that We the Patriots USA has several exemption cases on here, uh, religious exemption cases for, that have been denied through Bristol-Myers Squibb, Takeda Pharmaceuticals, uh, my case against the PGA Tour, I was denied my religious exemptions. Uh, we the Patriots USA is stepping in on so many fronts. They're also trying to win back religious exemptions to the state of California. Those have been completely taken away by every single, no, not a single student in the state of Connecticut can get a religious exemption from the childhood vaccines. We the Patriots USA is trying to restore that. And that would also um, set precedent across the board and hopefully maybe some states like California where Christina, our guest today, is trying so hard to um, to defend all school-age kids and parents there. So let's talk to Christina about this so-called cancer prevention bill in California that is being proposed right now. Where do we go from here? Because the battle has just begun. As eyes open, we continue to arm ourselves with the truth in all aspects of our lives, asking questions and relentlessly searching for answers. 
educating ourselves and forging a new path forward. Here from real people faithfully pursuing freedom. This is Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson, presented by We the Patriots USA, a nonprofit 501c3 organization working to preserve and reclaim our God-given inalienable rights. Hi, Christina. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, let's first update people on um, just the judicial pro- or excuse me, the legislative process here with this bill that's taking place in California. What's the timeline right now? Because it's kind of it's happening right now. It's imminent. Yeah, so um, it's in the assembly. So it was an, it was a bill introduced by Assembly Member Aguilacari. The bill number is AB six five nine, and it has gone through the Health Committee. Uh, that was the only committee it went through. We feel that it should have gone through more of the committees than that. But um, California legislature <laughs> likes to likes to do things their own way. Um, and it's now going to the Appropriations Committee um, that it will be voted on in the next week. And then in about two, three weeks, it goes to the assembly floor. Um, and then it repeats that whole process on the Senate side after that. Uh, so it has a, it has, you know, it's 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 in the first house, so it's got a ways to go. But at the same time, we've been working really, really hard on um, getting changes to the bill. And we've been successful at that. Uh, and, and we can talk about that, you know, in, in more detail. Absolutely. Let's dive into that. Um, what has, what flagged this for your organization, A Voice for Choice um, Advocacy? Why, um, you know, why were you guys on alert once you saw this one hit the floor? Yeah. So our organization, we educate, advocate and empower people to know their health rights. And that's everything from, you know, knowing what's in products to deciding whether you put those into your body to medical privacy rights. Um, You know, mandates and vaccine mandates is something that we formed our organization or going against them is what we formed our organization on in 2015 when SB 277 came in. And as you mentioned, uh, that removed, you know, all religious um, and personal belief exemptions. So we only have a medical exemption for K through 12 school here in California. Um, So this one, it's interesting because this bill uh, was threatened to be brought forward last year. And so it's always it's been on our radar for a while. And so. I have to say we weren't surprised to see it this year. Uh, I, I was hoping that last year's efforts and we, and we got rid of the bill last year and it wasn't brought forward before we got, you know, we didn't we didn't even see it be brought forward because of the efforts that we had made. Um, this year it was brought forward. It initially started off as a eighth grade requirement for school that you had to have the HPV vaccine in order to go into eighth grade uh, and, and go through 12th grade. Uh, we worked hard with we, the one difference I will say with this le- piece of legislation is that versus other pieces of legislation in past years is that Assembly Member Aguilar Curry, uh, I will give her kudos that she has met with us. Uh, she's had many meetings, her staff has had many meetings with us uh, and other organizations. And you know, in previous years, when Senator Penn, he was the main author of these sort of bad bills, uh, especially when they had to do with vaccine mandates. He would not meet with our office. He, I mean, he would not allow us to meet with his office. He would, he completely sort of just pushed the opposition out. So we've had a very good discussion with Assembly Member Aguilar Curry, and we worked hard with school boards to have them come forward and oppose this bill because that's you know ultimately and, and parents and and other uh, organizations. 
And we got the eighth grade through 12th grade removed, that mandate removed, which was wonderful. <laughs> it got replaced by two things. The first one was a letter that goes to sixth graders and their parents saying that they are expected to get the HPV vaccine before entering school at eighth grade, as well as a requirement for colleges, public colleges in California. So the University of California system, the CSU, California State University system, and the community colleges for them to require it for enrollment. We went back to our office and said, that's not going to work either. You know, at this point, it's discrimination because you've got public higher institutions requiring this and private ones not having to require it. Uh, and, and therefore you're discriminating and, and, you know, it's not, it's it, the biggest piece of this is HPV is an, is an STI. It's a sexually transmitted infection. It is not, you can't sit next to one. If I was sitting next to you in the classroom, I can't get it from you. Um, and so it makes no sense to have this as an enrollment requirement when, when, you know, it has no impact on me being in the classroom. If I were to have this, you know, even if I were to have it and I'm sitting in the classroom, um, we, we worked with our office on that. We called the Voice for Choice Advocacy, went and contacted every single um, board of trustee, president and chancellor of the community colleges, UC system and CSU system and alerted them to this bill. Um, and we do believe that that had a huge impact. And they they started calling her office and saying, you know, we don't want this. It's going to decline enrollment. And we've already got a declining enrollment. So she removed that piece of it. Two huge wins there removing the childhood, you know, for a school, removing it for college as a mandate. And what we're left with is still this requirement at sixth grade to have a letter saying it's expected. And the same thing for college, uh, public college in California um, and, and university that it is expected. And so we are still working with her office. Um, we're, we're talking to other legislators that are now going to be voting on this bill um, to get them to change the language from expected to either recommended or encouraged so that because the nuance of expected it's kind of you know as I said if you say to somebody you're expected to do this to do you know to get this it sounds like okay my my next question is well what do I what happens if I don't do it because it sounds like I'm required to do it but maybe there's not an enforcement maybe there's a way of getting around it and so um and and the other nuance bit of it is that you know, when you translate that into language, here's in other languages. Here in California, we have a lot of, um, you know, diversity in where people are from. Many parents who don't have English as their first language. And so when you receive something that says expected, you know, what does that mean? It kind of means required, but what happens if you don't do it? It doesn't say what happens if you don't do it. And so we really are, are working with the legislature, with other organizations, to get that language changed to be uh, either, as I said, either recommended or encouraged. And it, that's so key in a state where there are no religious exemptions. Right. And um, so when you have something that says expected, it makes it seem like um, you very much have to have this in order to continue to go to school right. um, and your child to be in school. And, um, you know, there's so many, <laughs> there's so many different layers to this one because of the layer of the the lies that we've been told about HPV um, in, in general, and then the layer of the Gardasil vaccine and the inefficacy of it in the first place and the, the safety risks that really people have not been made aware of. But I think that so many people 
Um, you know, I myself, I'm in my mid thirties. And so the, the Gardasil vaccine was coming out whenever I was in college. And I know so many people that so many women in particular, particular that have had reactions, whether minor or major to this vaccine. And um, here now we're having it pushed on our young, young children and all of this for something that is a sexually transmitted disease. I mean, I know I'm not, um, you know, I understand that some kids are sexually active and things like that. But um, I want to dive into some of the facts and arm people with some of the facts on why this is another layer to why you guys are fighting this so hard because it doesn't just come down to the language and it doesn't just come down right. to um, why so many people are seemingly being required to do this in the state of California. It comes down to the fact that um, this is just not a good vaccine and it's not a, and all of that. So I want to go through it and I want to let people know um, that I'm going to have available on TarenGregson.com if you sign up for the newsletter and HPV resources PDF that my um, research assistant, Anna, has put together. It's fabulous. If you're a parent out there that wants to know more about this, you can go to TarenGregson.com. But Christina, let's first talk about these quick facts. I'm going to bring them up here. Um, quick facts about HPV is that it's the most commonly transmitted sexually uh, STI in the United States, and there are more than 200 HPV strands, and it's estimated that 14 million people are infected each year. The majority of new infections cause no symptoms and are self-limited. The vast majority of high-risk HPV infections do not develop cancer and H HPV is considered non-lethal and easily treatable. And I know that you can speak to this a little bit just on HPV in general, the human papillomavirus, and that um, we've sort of been sold a lie on what it is and, um, if it's even serious or not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. I'll just I'll, I'll get to that. But it, one thing that I I forgot to mention in in my sure. intro is you you said this is called the Cancer Prevention Act. Yes. That is what the legislature has called it, which I find fascinating. It's not even the Cervical Cancer Prevention Act, right, <laughs> or the the Throat Cancer Prevention Act, which are the things that HPV uh it, the HPV virus can cause. Yeah. Um, this is the Cancer Prevention Act. And so one of the things when we met with her office, you know, we sort of, we're, we're all about throwing spaghetti at the wall. And so and she's just like, she said, well, you know, what am I, if I don't, if it's not the vaccine, what am I going to do to prevent cancer? And we went back to her and said, you know, if you really want to prevent cancer, let's look at the top three cancers, which are lung cancer, prostate cancer, and breast cancer. If you were to do something with those cancers, then you can call this the Cancer Prevention Act. But preventing cancers caused by HPV is not a cancer prevention act because the 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 number of people who get cancers that may be attributable to HPV in other words they get cervical cancer but it's not always clear that HPV caused the cervical cancer is less than 1% of people who get HPV <laughs> Yeah. So this it's it's a tiny tiny number and so you know to me it's kind of comical that she's calling it the cancer prevention act because it's not dealing with true cancer prevention i mean if we're as i said if we're gonna if you really wanted to prevent cancer you would do something with those top three cancers um so going back to your numbers yes it, it is a very very small number of people a large number of people get hpv so about 50 percent of the population 
have HPV in their system, i.e. they've been infected with it and most likely they have their body has dealt with it. They didn't even know they had HPV. Most people don't know they have had HPV. For the, you know, there is a very, very small number of people that HPV, the virus, turns into cancer. But you can, you know, if you have regular pap smears, which even with getting the HPV vaccine, they say you still need to get your pap smear. If you get pap smears regularly, you that will be shown before, you know, it's high, as you said, it's highly treatable. So if you get pap smears, if you have a cancerous lesion, if you have a lesion that it, that then turns out to be cancerous, so not all lesions are cancer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, we're going from, from large to small to smaller to tiny here. Um, but if you have a lesion that is cancerous, it is treatable. Is it uncomfortable to be treated? Yes, it's not, you know, it's still cancer, but but it's not, um, it, you know, it's very rarely deadly when we go from who in the population actually, you know, the number of people in the population to actually having cervical cancer that is, that is, um, uh, that is, that is deadly. And, and certainly if you're having pap smears, if you are having, you know, if you are following, you know, gynecological health, it, 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 it is not, you, it is very, very unlikely that you get there. And so this vaccine, you know, is said, there are so many misnomers with the vaccine. I'm sure we're going to get into that on your next slides. Um, but, you know, there, there are so many misnomers with this vaccine that when you actually look at the risks of the vaccine versus the risks of getting and getting HPV and it turning into a dead, you know, a cancer, even if even not deadly cancer, but, a you know, a cancer, it, the, the risks just don't, don't weigh out that you should get the vaccine. Absolutely. And I'm glad you pointed that out because that is exactly what caught my attention whenever I saw the name of this bill. It's also another mind game that they're playing with the wording on all of this, because, of course, as a parent, you want to do everything you can to prevent your child from getting cancer. It just plays on people's emotions. And um, it's part of the lobbying that takes place with these vaccines. And, um, you know, it's just not founded in fact whatsoever when it comes to this HPV when it comes to HPV in general, and then when it comes to the HPV vaccine. And, you know, you mentioned how, um, you know, very few people go on to develop a fatal form of the cervical cancer um, from HPV. It's like so minuscule, but there have been several people that have died from this vaccine. And we'll get into that. Um, as you, as you said, there's just so much to unpack with this. It's uh, so muddied really the waters on here. So this is from PubMed and, um, you know, I can also post these slides as well in the show notes, but, um, the, both the efficacy and the safety outcomes were largely inadequate. I mean, I've already talked about how there's over 200 strands of HPV. And so, you know, it's virtually impossible for a vaccine to address all of those. And um, PubMed goes on to say that the HPV vaccine is highly flawed design in the safety trials and serious adverse outcomes, including death and permanent disabilities have been linked and an overwhelming rate to the HPV vaccine. And, um, you know, we've seen the HPV vaccine through Merck and Gardasil being pushed out there at at an alarming rate. And this study um, by the, um, I'll have to look up which which one this is, talked about the 
the lobbying that took place from Merck and the different pharmaceutical companies and that they have acted too aggressively and non-transparently in this case. And I bring that up, Christina, because I think that that really ties into the wording and everything that we're talking about here. And, um, you know, I know I threw several different things at you right there, but the wording of this bill goes hand in hand with the lobbying that we see from these companies. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, this one's it's this one out of all the vaccines just mm -hmm. to me is is fascinating how it has developed. So if we just go back a little bit in the history of the Gardasil vaccine, the Gardasil, the initial Gardasil vaccine came out in about, I think, 2007. And it was just for two strains and it was never tested. So it was tested. And this happens often with vaccines. They're either tested against a, they're supposed to be tested against a placebo. A placebo, you would think, is just saline, something that is nondescript, nothing. This vaccine, the initial vaccine, was tested against the vaccine minus HPV. So it has a very high aluminum content and it has a whole bunch of other stuff in that vaccine. So one of the one of the things, you know, before I got into the whole vaccine issue, if you'd asked me what was in a vaccine, I'd be like, I don't know, some virus and some saline, right? Mm -hmm. That's like, why would there be anything else? When you start looking at vaccines, they have a whole load of other stuff in them. And that stuff is actually probably what causes most of the reactions. It's probably not the virus that's causing the reactions. It's the stuff, the aluminum, the adjuvants, the, the polysorbate 80, the polyethylene glycol, like whatever those things are, those things are what your body's having reaction to. And so the Gardasil vaccine, when it first came out, two strains, um, was tested against the vaccine minus the virus, minus HPV. And so what they found was people were having similar reactions. 2.3% were having reactions. That's a high number, 2.3%. That's two people out of, two, two and a half people out of every hundred were mm -hmm. having a reaction. But it's fine because they were also 2.3% in the placebo group that were having the reaction. So it's equal. So we're, we're all good. The vaccine isn't causing the reaction. <laughs> the HPV part of it isn't causing the reaction. And so, and then Gardasil 9 came out, which was, it now has nine variants in it. So they're expanding it. Remember there's 150, 200 variants of HPV, but we've mm -hmm. got it to nine. nine. Um, and they claim that those nine are the ones that you know, are most likely to cause cancer. But that vaccine was compared to the original Gardasil vaccine. And guess mm. what? Didn't have any more side effects than the original Gardasil vaccine. So we're all good here. Nothing to see. But wow. that was a test. So you have no placebo test in this, in the creation of this vaccine. And that's why, you know, Merck can get away with saying there is no increased adverse events with this vaccine, but we are seeing adverse events with this vaccine. Um, and so, you know, and it's, it's, it, it is just, you, you look at it and it, the marketing that was played, it first came out only for females. So, you know, specifically for cervical cancer, they then realized, oh, well, there's a whole opportunity with males. We're missing 50% of the population that we could sell this vaccine to. And it's one of the most expensive vaccines. You need two or three doses, depending on how old you are. Um, but, you know, throat cancer now is, is the big thing. So if you're having oral sex, 
uh, with, you know, somebody who has HPV, then you want to take the vaccine because it's going to stop your throat cancer. Again, the likelihood of getting throat cancer is minuscule compared to some of these other cancers. And so it's, you know, it's, it, Merck has done a huge amount of, um, lobbying marketing on this vaccine um you know i'm pretty sure most people have seen the ad campaign from a few years ago where they had children saying you know parent mom don't let me get cancer and and you know just you know very emotionally driven marketing uh and they have pushed it through um certain you know a lot of legislation has been stopped on the hpv vaccine but there's definitely states that were um that have passed it yeah, and that's what we're talking about now. We're experiencing it in California. And I want to hit on that point you just made about it now being pushed on all genders, on boys as well, um, because we have an, an unfortunate case to to highlight here. The One of our real Gardasil stories, <clears throat> excuse me, to share today is Christopher Bunch, who in 2018 received the Gardasil, Gardasil vaccine at a routine doctor's visit. And within two and a half weeks, um, he was complaining about a uh, sore throat and headaches and, um, you know, different adverse effect effects. And then on Saturday, August 11th, um, just, you know, a little over a month and a half later, he went on to have even more extreme symptoms and passed on August 14th, 2018. And you can read Christopher's story at Christopher bunch.org. And so here's a story of a little healthy boy um, who was given this Gardasil vaccine and went on to die afterward. Yeah, yeah he's not the only one. I mean, no. unfortunately, this vaccine, I would say this vaccine, other than the COVID vaccine, prior to the COVID vaccine, mm -hmm. this had the highest number of um, of adverse events and deaths that, that when you look at vaccines in in general um it's yeah it's it's an interesting uh it, it's really sad and and parents just don't know enough although what's interesting is the and the reason they're pushing this so hard is that Gardasil because of the because of what's trickled out there uh on the side effects about 30 percent of kids are not vaccinated for this which is a big number and mm -hmm. and you know when you take things like measles or polio those types of vaccination they're all at like 95 you know 100 close, between 95 and 100 percent um, especially somewhere like california where you have you know required them required for school even in states that don't require them you know have a religious exemption personal belief exemption the numbers are high they're in the 90s in most states and so um, this this vaccine just doesn't have a lot of uptake. It doesn't have as much uptake. And so, you know, this push to get it mandated is great because it would push, you know, the, the extra 30 percent to be in um, to 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 get the vaccine that they haven't been able to get, you know, financially <laughs> to, to get it, bring in that money. Yes. Got to bring in that money, that guaranteed money and then, um, you know, make money off of the adverse reactions that that come from it because um, it's pretty clear as we showed you in the quick facts that they're not making money off of um, the HPV, the human papilloma virus itself because most people don't even know that they have it and a very small, very small minuscule amount go on to develop cervical cancer or whatnot from it. So um, in, a, in effect, they are basically um, creating, uh, you know, things that they need to treat from 
from injecting these vaccines. Yeah, and it gets even worse. I mean, it's interesting because I know you 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 mentioned at the beginning sort of they're pushing this on the youngest children. Yeah. Uh, what's what was really interesting when she changed it to a, co- a college policy, we started doing a deep dive into um, into the HPV vaccine for older people because mm-hmm. there is a push to get nine to 12 year olds to get this vaccine. And I, you know, I've always thought that is really young. Like why you're not sexually, a nine to 12 are really, most kids are not sexually active. Mm -hmm. And why are they pushing it so young? Well, it turns out there's a research study that showed, and I haven't, we haven't been able to find it for the Gardasil 9 vaccine, but for the the initial Gardasil vaccine, that 44% of people, so, it, basically, it, it, if you have had HPV and you then get the vaccine, mm-hmm. you have a 44% higher likelihood of getting cancer. So it actually is doing the opposite. It is, and this is with the initial Gardasil vaccine, but we're going to assume that, you know, that carries over because much of it was the same. They use the same, they, they use the same comparison. So I'm yeah. going to use the same comparison. I shouldn't do that, but we haven't, I haven't seen the date. I haven't mm-hmm. seen the research done. But basically what it's, and and it makes sense. It makes sense in a similar way to the COVID vaccine. We saw this, um, this, I don't remember what it's called. It's irogenic. You know, it's basically if you get the disease and then you get the vaccine on top, what the vaccine does is it stimulates your immune system to fight against HPV, except this time it's in a different, it's not in a natural process. It's in an injected process. And so, you know, the, the real question is, is, if you get the HPV vaccine after you've had it, been exposed to HPV, and most people don't know that they've been exposed to HPV, as you said, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it goes through their system, they have no symptoms, um, then you're more likely, it seems, to get cancer um, and uh, get HPV-linked cancers. And so, you know, it's I understand why they're pushing it to be amongst these young, young children, because I actually don't think that you know it, it doesn't help you and it may even do the opposite if you get it once once you're sexually active mm-hmm. yeah and we you know have seen the uh you know different vaccines like the hep b vaccine being given to newborn babies who their mothers have been tested multiple times throughout pregnancy knowing that their mother does not have the sexually transmitted disease hpv and yet they give the shot to the yeah, and uh, it's very similar uh, dichotomy with this. And I, I have one more slide that I want to show in regards to what you're speaking to with, um, with what Gardasil is is doing. Is that we have um, a Gardasil researcher who spoke out um, in the wake of all this, and he said, if we have, if we vaccinate, or excuse me, Dr. Diane Harper said, if we vaccinate 11 year olds and the protection doesn't last, we've put them at harm from side effects. Uh, small but real for no benefit. And then another researcher, Dr. Scott Ratner, said his daughter went from a university or from a varsity lacrosse player to chronically and steroid, chronically ill and steroid dependent patient with autoimmune disease. And um, he has to ask himself why he left the eldest of his three daughters uh, get let her get an unproven vaccine against a few strains of a non-lethal virus that can be dealt with in more effective ways, which you spoke about at the beginning of this, you know, going in for regular pap smears and such. So I just appreciate the work that you guys are doing um, because 
it all goes to those fear tactics and uh, those pressure tactics that they put on parents um, through the legislation, through the way that they lobby on these vaccines. And, um, you know, we just want parents to truly be informed um, when they make these decisions. We're not here to judge what decision you make, but just to be informed because they are manipulating, I feel like, parents whenever they put cancer prevention bill on the name of this. Yes. Yeah. It's also interesting, your last quote. It, it, one strange thing about the HPV vaccine is it seems to have higher, and this is just sort of anecdotal, but it, it definitely there's a pattern. It seems to have higher um, reactions among uh, athletes or kids that are extremely um, athletic or, or, you know, mm -hmm. dancers or cheerleaders or, and, and it's, it, it, it's interesting to me that that's the case that, that these, you know, you think, oh, these kids are so healthy. They're, you know, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're working out, they're eating well, they're doing all this stuff, but they're actually the ones that seem to get, um, get side effects more often. Yeah. And we've seen that with the, with the COVID shot and, you know, many athletes having myocarditis episodes and things like that, um, young athletes, young children that, like you said, are seemingly healthy are having these adverse and sometimes fatal reactions to that as well. So, um, Christina, how else, aside from going to a voiceforchoiceadvocacy.org, um, how else can people follow what you guys are doing in regards to this bill and others? Yeah, so so our if you go to our website, as you mentioned, voiceforchoiceadvocacy.org, uh, you can sign up for our newsletter. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Telegram, sure, many other ones as well. But on all of those, we're at A Voice for Choice. Um, and you can follow us. We do put slightly different content out on each of them, depending on uh, depending on our audience. But uh, for the most part, the, if you follow any of those, you'll you'll get the updates on on these bills uh, and on what we're doing. And I would say the the key piece here, if you're in California, is to please please call and meet with your assembly member. At this point, there are 80 assembly members in California. Um, if you don't know how to find them, go to our website. We we give you all the instructions um, on our 2024 uh, 2023 legislation page um, of how you find that. But calling the legislators and just making them aware of this, um, I will just put in the the other concern with this bill is that the sixth graders, the actual sixth graders, get the email. And one thing to remember in California, this passed in 2000, I think it was 11, um, but Children in California, 12-year-olds and up, can get the HPV vaccine without their parents' consent. And so mm -hmm. one of the other sort of ramifications of this bill that we see is that these sixth graders are going to get the letter telling they're expected to get the vaccine, and then that there will be vaccine clinics at school where they are basically coerced, bribed, as we saw with the COVID vaccine. You know, we got, we got boba and pizza and all sorts of things, gift cards for getting the vaccine. This actually allows them, they can, by law in California, consent themselves to get the, the HPV vaccine. And so that's another piece of this bill that we're really concerned with is that it will turn into just a Merck marketing ploy of, you know, getting getting as many kids in school vaccinated. Thank you for pointing that out. That is alarming to me as a parent that a 12-year-old can consent to a medical procedure and a vaccine um, without the parents being able to advise them and weigh in on that. That is scary. 
Yeah. And, you know, they say, oh, the doctor is going to give them informed consent. We all know that the informed consent does not happen. It does not happen like it's supposed to happen. (laughs) It doesn't happen to the parents, to the adults, let alone a kid. You hand them a sheet of paper that a parent hardly reads the sheet of paper. And the sheet of paper we all know doesn't really give you very much information on it anyway. Exactly. A 12 year old is most certainly not going to read that sheet of paper. So, well, and I can tell you if there's a, you know, pizza or boba or gift card sure. dangling at the end of the line, that's way more in- incentivizing than reading a piece of paper and going, hmm, do I really want this? <laughs> Absolutely. They know what they're doing. They yeah. are playing on people's emotions and, on kids uh, incentivizing them. So thank you, Christina, for bringing that to light. And um, I encourage people not only to head to a voice for choice advocacy dot org, but also to head to we the Patriots USA dot org to um, prayerfully give to the different ways that we are trying to restore religious and medical freedom in the face of these vaccines. And, you know, I myself, you can head to TarynGregson.com to get sign up for the newsletter and get that awesome. Um, some of the information that I had in the slides will be in this PDF that my research assistant, Anna, has put together to arm you parents with more information about HPV, uh, Gardasil shot, and cervical cancer. So you can head to both we the Patriots, USA.org and TarynGregson.com. Thank you.